following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two older brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to see you and great to be sharing this time with you all today. If I'm an unfamiliar face to anyone watching, let me add my welcome to that of Zoe's. My name is Tom. I worship here at Nix, and it's so wonderful to have you with us this evening as we start a new sermon series on witness and evangelism in Matthew's Gospel. But before we get going, let's let's quickly pray. Loving Father, we thank you for your word, for your word that brings life and hope, for your spirit that brings us close to you. We pray for open hearts and open minds as we read your word tonight, as we learn about your call for us to be witnesses to your risen Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Do you guys ever remember your favourite teacher? Maybe they taught you when you were young. Maybe you're still taught by them today. Maybe they impacted your life in some big or small way. Or maybe, I don't know, the very idea of teachers sends a shiver down your spine. One of my favourite teachers growing up was, in fact, my piano teacher, Jane, who taught me from when I was wee high, four years old, all the way until I left for uni here in Durham. Jane was a primary school teacher who taught the piano on the side, and well, truth be told, she wasn't the most accomplished teacher around. You had to pay big books for that. Well, it didn't matter. I loved being Jane's pupil. 
I loved going round for lessons, watching her play the piano with such ease and elegance, trying to copy all her hand movements, her techniques, insisting we played duets which only sounded good because she was playing 95% of the music and I was waiting eagerly to play that very last note. I owe so much of my love of music, the reason I studied it here in Durham, the reason I can now sit and play the afternoons away on the piano to her. She was my teacher and I was her pupil. And in listening and in following her advice, her instructions, in spending that precious time together, she made me the best pianist I could be and encouraged me to share that skill with others bringing them into that joy of making music themselves. Teachers are important, aren't they? Teachers inspire us, teachers change our lives. And trust me, I don't just say that because my parents, who were both secondary school teachers, promised to buy me a car if I say nice things about them. I do, I do mean it. Teachers are so often the people that have some of the greatest impact on how our lives are lived. And in this new series we're beginning tonight as a church, we're going to be looking at what it means to be a witness, a disciple, a follower, a pupil of the greatest teacher ever, Jesus. And to be honest with you, when I first saw this new sermon series, I kind of freaked out. Being a witness, an evangelist for Jesus can seem so big, so scary, so otherworldly. We look to the great evangelists and disciples of history, Martin Luther, John Wesley, Dwight Moody, Mother Teresa, the list goes on and on. And we can think, what? No, they seem so far away from me and my kind of ordinary life. I mean, I get scared even when I'm told to share this service on Facebook. No, evangelism is not for me. And then don't even get me started on the apostles, Jesus' 12 disciples, Jesus, the founders of the church, some of the first martyrs. Whenever I read the book of Acts, I sit back astonished at the miracles these guys did, the thousands of lives they transformed. I can't be like them, can I? I mean, God's good, but he's not stupid. He's not going to call average me. The apostles there, they're on a whole nother league. Well, were they? Are they? Or maybe the apostles were just in fact the first of many average and ordinary people who Jesus is calling to become his disciples, his followers, his pupils, his witnesses across the world. What is being a disciple all about? Is it about being the best, the brightest, or maybe something else entirely? How like the disciples are we being called to be witnesses for Jesus today? That's what I want to explore with you all tonight. And we're blessed to have one of these very pivotal, pivotal points in scripture to read together. The point in Matthew's gospel where four of the apostles, just known as Simon, Andrew, James and John back then, are first called to follow Jesus. Ordinary men, ordinary people, called to become witnesses of an extraordinary God. Let's get going. 
You can um, open up your Bibles again to the passage Diego read to us, to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to start, where Jesus first meets the first set of these ordinary guys, the brothers Simon and Andrew. And in verse 18 it says this, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Isn't it crazy to think that at this point, both Simon, who as it says, is also called Peter, the apostle who will become alongside Paul, perhaps the most influential founding church leader, and his brother Andrew, have no real idea of the life they are about to embark on. We know from the other Gospels that they may have encountered Jesus before this moment, but they certainly didn't know how he was about to change their lives forever. I wonder what they were thinking. I wonder if they had any hope something was going to change. I wonder if what they were thinking is kind of similar to what we often might think of ourselves and our own capacity for witness and evangelism. Oh, yeah, I'm not that special. Don't really have any impressive skills to offer. I'll leave that to others. I'll just stick to what I know. We know from this verse and from verse 21 with James and John that these guys were fishermen, people who did a job no one else really wanted to do, a job which kept them on the margins of society. For fishermen, it was all about the fish. They, they were hidden, often working at night, unseen, away from everybody else. All they needed to do was to catch enough fish and the customers would be happy. They didn't need to be smart, they didn't need to be confident, they didn't need to be attractive. They just needed to do their job and stay away from the rest of us. Fishermen today might still be given that same category. When we go into Tesco's to buy, I don't know, salmon for dinner or something, there's, there's not one part of us that thinks of the person who caught it. Nah, their job is to be out there, they aren't important, as long as they give us the food we want. Maybe another modern example could be those people who collect our rubbish week in, week out, barely seen, not really cared about, not thought highly of. They have a job and it's to spend more time with rubbish than with people. And if you were Jesus, about to embark on a world-saving mission trip, would these be the kind of people, the kind of witnesses you'd want? The outsiders, the uneducated, the average, the ordinary, the fish, rubbish, smelling people. Probably not. I'd go for the superheroes, the celebrities, the best public speakers, the richest guys in town. And, and yet Jesus, he doesn't want the superheroes. He wants them. He wants you. He wants me. And from the shores of Lake Galilee, he calls out in the next verse, verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let's take some time to explore this central verse, these markers of how to be a witness to Jesus. We'll probably spend the rest of our time on it and I'd like to split it into three smaller sections to look at in turn if we can, starting with the first two words, follow me. Okay, follow me, follow who? Well, follow Jesus. This is the call, the invitation Jesus gives as he invites these four ordinary men to embark on an amazing journey with him. 
And their response? Well, it stuns me. Both times in verses 20 and 22, Matthew uses the word immediately to describe their reaction. They immediately stop what they're doing. They immediately leave their boats, leave their livelihoods. In the case of John and James, we're told they leave their father all to follow Jesus. And that is amazing and impressive, but also deeply challenging. I'd probably ask for a bit more from Jesus than just follow me if I was going to drop everything and go with him into the unknown. I mean, we know from hindsight in verses 23 and 25 in our passage that the disciples will immediately get involved in Jesus's ministry of healing and teaching people throughout Galilee, performing miracles, proclaiming the goodness of God's kingdom. This is going to be one wild ride. But they couldn't have known that from where they are right now, standing in their boats. They couldn't have made out their roles in it all. They couldn't have predicted the cross, the death, the resurrection. That was all to come. Instead, they chose to trust in Jesus in the moment, to follow him even when the path wasn't fully clear. And this, guys, is the first marker of what it means to be a disciple, a witness of Jesus. It's about choosing to follow him. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the great theologian, calls this choice a path of absolute discipleship. And if we look across scripture, we can see time and time again examples of people choosing to follow God's call. Think to God calling Abraham and Sarah to leave their home, their family, their identity, to follow him into an unfamiliar land. God calling Moses, a shy, stuttering shepherd in the book of Exodus, to follow his lead and set his people free. God calling the prophets like Isaiah to show Israel their need to repent, that God was in their midst. God calling a teenage girl, Mary, to give birth in a stable to God incarnate. And God calling plain and simple fishermen from their boats to follow Jesus. From the beginning, God has called people, and often the most unlikely and ordinary people, into his extraordinary story of our salvation. And what separates these people from others is not that they have all the looks, the skills, the confidence, and a hundred PhDs worth of theological knowledge. No, they were people who chose to answer that call. And in following God obediently as disciples, as witnesses, the world was changed. It all starts with that invitation. Will you follow me? And round about now, you might be going, oh, yeah, Tom, that all sounds lovely, but, but how do I do that? How, how do I respond? I don't feel often like I can very well. I don't feel like I have much to offer. Well, Jesus continues in verse 19 to give us our second marker. Follow me and I will make you. I will make you. Or in other words, I'm Jesus. I'm going to turn you into my disciples. I personally think this is such an overlooked point and it's one that gives me a huge sense of relief because I don't know about you, but too often when it comes to being a disciple, I just don't feel good enough 
that don't feel able enough, don't feel like I have enough to offer, to give to others. Feels like I'm being asked to play a piano concerto without ever having seen the music. I've got to try harder and I'm not doing a good enough job at it. And we can paralyze ourselves in this misunderstanding that being a witness of Jesus is measured on us trying solely and solely again and again and again and again to be the perfect Christians possible. But that's not what Jesus wants. It's not what Jesus has ever wanted. And it's not what Jesus is doing in our passage tonight. He's saying to fishermen, guys who know literally nothing about being a disciple, follow me and I'll make you my followers, my witnesses in the world. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the skills. You don't have to have, you don't have to pass an entry exam. If Jesus wanted that, he would have gone to the Pharisees to find his disciples, but he didn't. Why? Because being a disciple, a witness, is not about already being the best. It's about learning to be like Jesus, about learning to be like him. That's a process. That's a journey. That's a relationship. And it's one that Jesus wants to take us on, one that he qualifies us for, not ourselves. I mean, if you measured Simon, Andrew, James and John on the disciples scale, they'd probably score minus five out of ten at this point in Matthew's gospel. And throughout this book, they mess up again and again. But in spending time with Jesus, he makes them into the disciples that will share his good news across the world. They learn to fish for fish from their fathers. And they will learn to fish for men from God himself. And all this means that for us as Christians, in wanting to be witnesses for Jesus, in spending time with him in prayer and getting to know who he is through scripture, in joining in with him and his spirit at work in the world, our ordinary lives are also made more like his. We become witnesses of Jesus. We become witnesses of that extraordinary relationship. And that's what we can share and spread to others. Don't think for one second that God can't use you because you're not good enough. You aren't able to be a good witness for him because you've still got a lot of learning to do. Our passage reminds us that it's in that learning, that relationship, that Jesus, our teacher, is making you into his disciple. He's making you more and more like him. Choose to be in that relationship with him, friends, and your life will day by day give witness to all that he is. And so finally, be pleased to know we're drawing to the end now. If being a witness is following Jesus and being transformed through a relationship with him, what's the third marker? Well, the third marker is the final part of verse 19. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, or perhaps in less aquatic terms, sharing Jesus with others. This, this is the goal. 
We are only disciples of Jesus, witnesses to his life, to our relationship with him, in order to share that with those who don't know God's love yet. We're sharing our faith stories, aren't we, as a church family at the moment for this very reason. In Mary Ann's faith story, tonight she says that by knowing Jesus, I have an identity and a purpose. We're speaking of how the good news of the gospel has changed our lives. And this has got to be something, surely, that we want every single person to hear. The good news of God's extraordinary love is not just for us, it's for everyone. And Jesus is telling his disciples in this passage, and I believe us too, that when we follow him, when we are being daily transformed through a relationship with him, it is all so that we can share that love with those around us. Not doing that is like buying a car, filling it up with petrol, but then never taking it out for a drive. Cars are meant to be driven, the gospel is meant to be shared. And how, you may ask, how do we do that? How do we do that when at the moment in so many places, speaking to someone you don't live with can carry a pretty large fine? Well, I'm not suggesting that we break social distancing, that's not the loving thing to do. But I am asking us to think intentionally about how we can witness to Jesus with others at the moment. Perhaps in this week coming, you could spend some time thinking about your own social setting, who you live with, who you live next to, who you work with, or maybe further afield on social media and the opportunities for connection that brings. Perhaps locally, you can then call on your neighbours, your colleagues, see if they need any support, let them know what you get up to at church. Ask them if you can be praying for them in any way. Or maybe we can all get round to, and this includes myself, to record our faith stories, to send them into church, or better still, be bold and share them on social media ourselves. We might be hesitant and go, oh, what if people don't like me? What if I'm not impressive? What if I don't speak well? As though sharing the gospel is only worth it if we don't lose any followers or friends in the process. Jesus called his new disciples in verse 19 to be fishers of men and these disciples will go on to share their faith and encounters of Jesus with others creating the church along the way. That call may have been spoken by Jesus over 2,000 years ago but it is no less needed today for the sake of the world that needs to know how much God loves them. Being a witness to Jesus must always involve looking outwards to the opportunities God presents for us to share his good news with everyone. And so we've landed. I realise it's been a lot, I'm sorry. But as we embark over the next few weeks on this new sermon series together, our passage tonight has opened with the fundamental blueprints of what it means to be a disciple, a witness to Jesus. We've seen that it's about choosing to follow him obediently, answering his call. 
It's about choosing to be daily in a relationship with him, knowing that it's in that relationship that we're being made more into his likeness. And it's about choosing to share the good news that has saved our lives, to speak it through words and actions into the lives of others. To be that kind of pupil is to be the one that loves being with our teacher, loves learning from him, spending precious time with him, surrendering our lives to him, that all the world can know how much God loves them. And we'll mess up, we'll lack confidence, we'll tell ourselves we're too average, too ordinary. But remember it was Jesus who found Simon, Andrew, James and John on Lake Galilee that day, not the other way around. He came and found them in all their ordinariness and called them to be his followers. God has chosen you in all your ups and all your downs, in all your strengths, in all your weaknesses, in all your faith and in all your doubts, to be his witness in the world. You're invited into that journey. It's all about him and letting our ordinary lives point time and time again to our most extraordinary God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.